Welcome to All Road 65 Max Radio, where the road ahead gets brighter as we journey toward truth, traveling through our dreams and inspiration into a new reality. It's time, and your ticket is waiting. All aboard All Roads Lead 65 Max with Pamela Henderson. Greetings. Thank you for joining me on BBS Radio, All Road 65 Max. I am your host, Pamela L. Henderson. Please follow me on allroad65max.org and subscribe to my monthly Sapphire Journey News. And friend me on patreon.com, allroad65, or join me here every other Tuesday and subscribe to my channel, BBS Radio, All Road 65 Max Radio. Today, my special guest is Nina Bosky. Is many things. She is a mix of entrepreneurship, media executive, transformational energy, life and business coach, author and producer, resulting in a woman who definitely is on the move. Getting her start in radio, she has expanded into many areas of her life, business coaching and training, as well as media, consulting, and content. She is the founder of Life Bites Global. Nina combines her unique talents, having worked in front of as well as behind the camera and hosting business development in almost every area of media. She is also part of a prestigious association of transformational leaders in ATL, founded by Chicken Soup for the Soul Success coach, Jack Canfield, which allows her to work alongside some of the top transformational people in the world. At last, I want to say thanks again for giving me this interview, Nina, and welcome to the show. Wow, what a what an intro there! I, <laughs> thank you so much. I, I appreciate the intro, you know. So uh, that's uh, you know, it's it's it's, uh, it's a lot to, to li- even live up to in my own life. So that, I, I, it, it's interesting to hear your bio read back to you. You know, so well, thank, thank you for you. having me. No problem, no problem. Tell me about yourself besides what I read about you. What else is it about Nina? Ooh, that's a great question. Uh, so I would say like all of us right now, I mean, we're living in a world that what I'm finding is a challenge and an inspiration at the same time is we're living in a very frenetic world with a lot of turbulence and a lot of divide. And so how can we bridge and bring together versus tear apart and most of the mainstream media, uh, they're designed to, to get ratings. And so ratings is about, you know, I'm right, you're wrong, fear, et cetera. And I think we have to move from that model because the way that the world is moving, there's a lot of, you know, as we're starting to move out of this pandemic, a lot of mental health issues, a lot of um, challenges that we're experiencing. So I think in terms of Nina, like all of us, is, wanting a better life and how are we going to get there? And I'm a, I'm a soul 
soul seeker and a, a truth seeker. And so I'm always asking myself those types of questions, regardless of what the answers are. I'm, I'm certainly, I came out of the womb asking questions and probably haven't stopped. Absolutely. My focus is my mission statement to help create a quality of life through social growth, inspiring jewels to mm-hmm. become leaders by establishing partnerships with corporations, school district, donors, sponsors, volunteers, and the community and abroad. What, Nina, what interested you to become a life and business coach? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Like you, I mean, I think you have a calling and my calling was always there. I just didn't, you know, early on in life, I didn't know that I was a media girl. So I didn't, I chose to not really look at that at that moment. So, uh, but at 18 years old, when I actually 19 years old, I became a on-air disc jockey in one of the largest markets in radio, which is LA. And I remember when we were transitioning from a kind of top 40 format to an easy listening, all of our jobs were going to go away. I remember, you know, telling people to believe in themselves. And emotionally, I hadn't grown into those shoes yet. But mm-hmm. spiritually and as a as a person, I innately knew to say that. And so the the qualities were all there. I just needed to kind of fill into those sh- those shoes. And so I've always been helping people. I remember back in fifth grade, one of my uh, we I found a notebook of of all these notes that I wrote to you know these kids. You pass notes back and forth. And I remember one of my classmates, whose friend still today, she said, oh, Nina, you should be a counselor. You're so, such a good listener. And so with that, I actually have been doing it all my life. I just didn't know it. So my mission is to not only transform my own life, but to help transform those of others and hopefully inspire them along the way, because I think this world needs a little bit more inspiration. I do agree. I absolutely agree. What would you consider to be the biggest challenge for someone to fill that position as a business life coach? You know, that's a, that, these are really good questions. And I think the biggest thing I would say is that you can go to school to become a coach. You can go to school to become anything and learn the qualities of something. But a business coach, in my opinion, not that you can't be a good inspirational um, uh, life coach, because I think life and business, they all go hand in hand. You know, what affects me personally is going to affect me professionally and vice versa. But I think what makes a really good uh, business coach is the combination of really having the knowledge behind you and the infrastructure, but also having the Mm -hmm. wisdom. I'm going to tell you, as a media girl, I started my business at the height of the Internet. And I believed all these businessmen, particularly, and, and nobody had been down the road of the Internet. So I didn't realize that quality. They just seemed very confident. And so I trusted blindly. And then when the Internet crashed, I crashed with it and then had to reinvent myself. So I think the things that you want to have as a, you know, hiring a business coach or being a business coach is you want somebody who's actually been in business because I've been in corporate America I've worked with startups, and I actually have my own company as well. So I think you need to be with somebody that understands and has the wisdom and experience because people can teach you things, but it's not until you go through them 
that you actually know and have the uh, body to, you know, the, the, the experience behind you in this case to, to tell people what not to do. <laughs> yeah. so I learned through my own failure. Yeah, that is true. I, I, I agree to that. How do you come up with your ideas when consulting with someone? Is it just getting um, to know yeah, them? I, I or? Like to, I like, yeah, I like to meet people where they are because I think there's universal principles to business that every business has to have. But just like every individual, every, every company is different too. And so you have to really listen to what their needs are. And I think there's a lot of business coaches and training companies out there that actually what they do is they one size fits all. So let me tell you about my management program. Or let me tell you about my sales program. And so every company is different. And if you don't listen to what their needs are, you're either not going to be hired or two, you're not going to really help them the way they need to be helped. Okay. That's great advice. Great advice, Nina. In yeah, your, that's what I would do. That's <laughs> in your opinion, and I know we've been conversating and some of these questions can be rolling over again, but I really try to get a, a great understanding when I interview. So I'm going to ask again, in your opinion, what makes a great coach and how do you create a transformational energy into someone's life or business? Well, and I think those are, those are good questions. I think what makes a good coach is listening. I think we've gotten to a point in our society, particularly in social media where I'm going to post who I am and I'm going to tell you who I am instead of really taking a step back and, listening to somebody. I think that whether you're a business coach or a life coach or any kind of coach, I think you have to really listen. I think also you have to be able to uh, pivot. I think there's Mm -hmm. different needs for different people. And so you, you can't, again, go into one size fits all. And so if I'm coaching somebody that maybe technically doesn't need goal setting, but they need support and they need somebody to be their cheerleader. That might be a role I'll play in somebody's life. And another person's role is actually the application of actually meeting goals and being able to achieve and maybe even shift your mindset. So the second part of that question is about transformational energy and what what exactly is that when you talk about business? Weirdly enough, when I, I was in media and I, I fell into business coaching. This is my ex-boss, media boss, said, hey, bring in that change girl, that emotional one that always talks about emotions in the workplace. <laughs> so that's how I fell into business coaching. But I moved into life coaching early on in my career, but I went to school for more Eastern philosophy, so chakra work, um, really getting into grounding and meditations. And so okay. in my in my in my work that I used, I, I really spent a lot, a lot of time working with people's uh, kind of the intuitive side of, of who they are and working with the energies of who they are and then also the practical side. When Google and some of these other larger corporations started to really uh, bring in the cultural aspect of it, it wasn't until 
I started to realize that business is changing. It, it's not the old school do as I say, not as I do model. It became work as an experience. And so then, oh my gosh, this is great. I mean, I've got a whole new world and a play, you know, a sandbox that I can play in. Right. So what started to happen is that um, I, I, I do a talk around energy. And I th- this is a quote that I have, and I think it's really important that people understand this. I can go on a vacation. I can get a massage. I can get my nails done. I can go for a walk. But if I'm not in the right mindset and heart set to be able to change that energy, I can be just as stressed. Or I can be, I live here in Los Angeles. I could be, you know, driving down the 405, one of the heaviest freeway, traffic freeways in the, in the world, and be pissed off and angry that I'm in traffic. Or I can be in a place where I turn up the music and I'm having a good old time. And we have right. learned to be in stress mode. And we're now getting overwhelmed where 20, 30 years ago, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have computers. We didn't have all this thing coming at us. Now with the pandemic particularly, it's not what you're doing. It's how you feel how about what you're doing. Right. Yeah. So that's I, I spend a lot of time in my, my work environment talking about emotional intelligence. And if you think about emotional intelligence at the heart and soul of emotional intelligence in the workplace is really what you'd almost call woo-woo energy. It's just designed to say, hey, it's the energy in which I not only manage my own energy, but their relation to others and how I'm going to manage that. And people are imploding in every aspect of life and it's not, it's intense. And so how are you, you can't, you can't function in the world without really addressing your own energy and anxiety and anything else that you may be experiencing. So gone are the days, you know, 20, 30 years ago where we had the ability to naturally kind of readjust and reset our energy fields. Today, if I get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and I go to 10 o'clock at night and I, I get up the next day and do the whole thing over again, I'm now becoming robotic. So I ask some of my clients that, you know, companies have hired me in, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, given what you do. And I've asked somebody, so, you know, what makes you happy? And I've had people say to me more often than not, I don't know. I haven't even thought about it. And so that is a problem because if you don't know what drives you, the world will drive you and you'll be at the effect of the outside world. So true. Are you familiar yes. with when someone says your chakra is off or? Um... Yes. <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> so I, and I sometimes question myself as well, because when you're mentoring girls, we're so emotional. And, you know, Mm -hmm. when they have problems and everything, I just feel like I'm feeling all of that. And it can start to affect my day because I want to do something about it. So I'm still trying Mm -hmm. to figure that part out, how I can get over that hump of not letting things overwhelm me at times because it's only so much I can do. Well, I think that speaks to your heart, but I would also say, Pam, that that here's a big one. You're probably very empathic, and there's a lot of people walking around. There are some people that let things roll off their shoulders, and 
They don't, it, they just, their makeup is that way. And then there's other people that come into this world that are more empathic by nature. So mm-hmm. you're picking up and absorbing energy. And that's why empathic people more than anything need to really kind of set their own energy field so that they can, as I say, watch the energy, not become the energy. And it's really hard when you've got a really sweet and, and beautiful heart to want to help people that then it's almost like I jump out of my space to help you but it's almost like jumping out of the lifeboat and trying to help somebody when you're not in the boat anymore. So you want to make sure that you're always in your boat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's an easy one. Believe me. I mean, I'm empathic too. And so it's, it's sometimes if I, if, you know, one of our producers in one of my projects, um, his mom passed away and my heart just jumped out because you have these empathetic, you know, and empathic kind of feelings and sympathy for somebody who's lost a loved one. But we got to watch that not to either project or to be able to get outside of our space that when then we don't, if we, we start, we stop being effective. So if I can't put in the, put on the, you know, oxygen mask for myself, and yet I want to keep giving my oxygen away, sooner or later, I'm not going to be able to breathe. Right. So that's right. a hard lesson. Oh, that very hard uh, lesson. <laughs> yes, yeah. it is. So, Nina, you yeah, I got, also I girl on that. Uh-huh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just I got you on that one. I I I can feel you because I certainly <laughs> I that's part of the reason why I got I got into this work was because of my own life. I was I wasn't understanding why I was I, I it was almost when I was younger I didn't realize it, and so I just absorbed things, and it was hard for me to move my life forward if I'm constantly absorbing other people's feelings. It's you know I can say oh I feel this way, but is that mine or is that somebody else's? Like you said with the girls that you're you're helping, sometimes it affects your whole day, you know, and it's it's hard to have it not affect you, but. You know, there are tools that people can use to be able to help them manage their own energy. And I think it's almost imperative that people start to clear their energy fields intentionally through thought so they're not just building up. It's almost like you have to take an energy shower. So you yeah. know how you take a physical shower to yes. clear off the day? You've got to clear your energy so that you clear out the energetic stuff that's coming at you that we don't really have time to clear if we just leave it up to the cosmos. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nina, you also co-authored two books. Tell me about the book, The Spirit of Women Entrepreneurs. I personally have found that to be very fascinating. Well, the the book about the spirit of women entrepreneurs is the five things that somebody that I wrote uh, in terms of of the chapter that I wrote has to deal with basically if if a female or anybody really is wanting to start their own business. And I think one of the biggest things that I learned through my failure when the, you know, internet crashed and I had to start all over again is my gut was telling me something was wrong because I didn't want to become this big public company and just become this media giant. I had a passion for helping people, and yet I trusted people that really their mission was to, you know, be big and this is the way that you do a business and you've got to go public and all this stuff that really wasn't part of my makeup. And so I, the one of the biggest things that I tell people is you got to learn how to trust your gut. But here's mm-hmm. the thing. You've got to be in tune enough 
to know what your gut is saying to you, which is then, uh, you know, brings people into a whole exploration because if they don't know how they feel, but I knew that something was off and yet I would kind of bypass it and go, well, you know, they've been in business a lot longer. They're quote businessmen. They know better. And they were so confident that I felt like, oh yeah, they know what they're doing. So I'm going to follow suit. (laughs) So (laughs) got me into hot water. Yeah, so the spirit of women entrepreneurs, the whole book is is really about women in business take projects or, you know, what you can learn from them, which was a, a really good experience for me because I think when that book came out, I was actually reviewing because it was for, far enough in the past for me to reflect on it versus, you know, when you're going through something, it's really hard sometimes to see all the lessons. Okay. That is so true. With that being said, we are going to take a break and we will be right back. Welcome to All Road 65 Max Radio, where the road ahead gets brighter as we journey toward truth, traveling through our dreams and inspiration into a new reality. It's time, and your ticket is waiting. All aboard All Roads Lead 65 Max with Pamela Henderson. Welcome back to BBS Radio, All Road 65. I am your host, Pamela L. Henderson, with my special guest, Miss Nina Bosky. I'm going to speak a little bit about what I am passionate about, and that is cultural diversity. Cultural diversity is the presence of various cultural and ethnic groups within a society. It's also called multiculturalism due to drivers like immigration and economic globalization. Cultural diversity is a hot button topic. How does it manifest in society? There are two main theories, the melting pot and the salad bowl. Both these theories are simplified versions of reality. It's not as if societies wholeheartedly embrace one another, they're still worth knowing about. And with that being said, you still with me, Nina? I am. I'm listening. (laughs) So you have written countless articles. Tell, Tell us about these major publications you have written. Well, you know, to your um, to your point about diversity, I, I one of the articles that I feel very passionate about to this day is, um, and I could relate to you in terms of the girls that you may be working with, is um, probably now about six or seven years ago, I um, created here in Los Angeles, there's something called the Los Angeles Mission that, that does a lot of work for the homeless, but they have two programs, one for men and one for women, out of the and Douglas Center, and it, it's for um, 
it's a two-year program and that they get to go through it and kind of get rehabilitated, get, you know, education, get job support, get psychological support, et cetera, to go back into the world. And so I was asked to put together a life coaching program where I brought in about 25 coaches that were females and 25 coaches that were males. And we created a three-month life coaching program for the women that were getting ready to be released from this program. And I think that, you know, one of the things that I think is really important when we're looking at helping people is Mm -hmm. being able to um, make a difference. And I think that was one of the biggest things that I think for myself that made me feel so uh, so much joy because I thought I went in there helping them. And in some ways they inspired my life so much. And so one of the articles I wrote for the LA times was something called, uh, mission possible. And it was also a, a blog post on, um, uh, positively positive instead of mission impossible, mission possible, and really spoke to what they taught me versus me going in there thinking I'm going to give them all these life coaching lessons and how to get, and I did. I mean, it wasn't like I didn't, but it was a two-way street. It wasn't one way, that's for sure. And I think that was one of the wonderful, you know, beautiful articles that I wrote. Um, You know, so I think the key here is my company is called Life Bites, and Life Bites, the nature of it and how it it was developed was around the fact that, giving you little short snippets of to get you thinking about your life. So whether I'm dealing with you and I are talking one-on-one or I'm talking to thousands or millions of people or I'm, you know, writing a blog post or doing a short, quote, life bite, it's all there to get you thinking and inspired about your life because I think at the end of the day I can make it really heady and I can make it all, you know, sound really technically wonderful and intellectual, but even one of the life by cards that I have says there's a question that I ask. It says, we already know that technology can surpass humanity. But the real question and challenge is going to be, can we actually have our hearts match, if not surpass at this point, technology? Because technology is taking over in so many ways, and we've lost our way with heart. And I think that's yeah. one of the things that, you know, in, in my mission is to get back to the basics, which is, back to our hearts and our humanity, which is missing is part of the reason when you were talking about diversity, I I think that in inclusion is that we've got to really look at ourselves as human beings. I I have a saying, not I have a saying, there's a saying out there that I say a lot, which is we are spiritual beings having a human experience, not the other way around. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So, you know, but yeah, so I, I, you know, those are some of the articles, but every article that I've written usually has some inspiration. It's not just an article, a technical article on some product or something like that. So it always has, has to speak to something. Yeah. I was, that was my next question because I wanted to get to know more about your company um, and you, um, already had told us about Life Bites Global. And so you've been in business for many years, huh? Yeah, I sure have. I can't believe it. I mean, it's like time flies when you're having fun. But yeah, my (laughs) my company uh, is really focused on three areas, life, business, and media. 
And so if it falls into one of those three areas, I usually can talk on it, whether it's, you know, life-oriented, business-oriented, or in media, which I spent and still do many, many years. Yeah. You also have a global podcast, Maryland, behind the icon that brings light between mental illness and addiction. What inspired you to create this production written for a greater cause? (laughs) You know, that's a really good question uh, because I, I didn't see it in the beginning of what I was creating. But back in my media days, I and I started my company, it was to get people thinking about their lives. And so I spent many years in media and some of the, the, the people that I would deal with were in the movie business. So I went back to, I was doing a radio show at the time and they were, I was going to do a psychology show. So I was going to call it Life Bites. It was going to be very psycho, almost like what we're talking about now, inspirational, et cetera. But back in the day, it was either you're going to be a psychologist like Dr. Laura or you're going to, you know, have a regular podcast. And so at the height of the Internet was one of the first radio stations to be Internet radio stations. And so they went from a all these different channels that we all experience now on like Sirius Satellite and, you know, Sirius, it was XM in the back in the day, you know, those two companies merged. AOL was one of the first uh, radio stations to yeah. go AOL. into the internet. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And so what happened was, is they um, lost their funding after they, they got $90 million back in the, the height of the internet. And they realized they're just going to keep entertainment and sports. And so they came to me and they said, Nina, can you do your show, but make it more entertainment oriented? And I thought, okay, well, what am I going to do? And I thought, I'll go back to my movie studios and I'll talk to them about sponsoring movie theme type of shows. And I'll talk about the themes of those movies. So for Mm -hmm. many years, I actually did um, movie themes and it moved into video uh, segments on, you you saw them on Hallmark and Wii and Lifetime. And I would take movie themes and talk to the stars, the director, the writer of the movie and ask them a question, whatever that theme was. And that became the interstitial. So in 2012, I was one of the first five video shows on YouTube, believe it or not. And it was called Life Bites and it had the three segments I was talking about, except for instead of business, it was health. And somebody came to me with a Marilyn Monroe project and I got involved where we, I started connecting people together and sure enough, all of a sudden I was doing a Marilyn Monroe project, not something I set out to do. I didn't really have a lot of knowledge about her except for what I've seen in the media, which in my opinion at that time, I thought she was kind of like her character, kind of ditzy and sweet and wonderful, but didn't really think much of her. Uh, until I started really getting into her story and realizing that it's very dynamic. So fast forward to today, if you take Marilyn Monroe's life, there's many life themes that we can actually learn from her legacy instead of, oh, she's a tragic figure. You know, we like to put labels on people and think that they're one-dimensional. And she was, one thing she's not is one-dimensional, that's for sure. So (laughs) I find her very fascinating and very... uh, It's really remarkable, you know, this year is the 60th anniversary of her death and how many fans she has worldwide. I mean, she's got over probably close to 15 million Facebook fans. I mean, she's one of, she's more popular today than she was back in 1962. And that says a lot. Yeah, it sure does. Wow. (laughs) You know, throughout, throughout my personal life, I have gone through many challenges myself and obstacles. However, 
I am still moving forward, experiencing life changes in my professional life that are not unavoidable in the workplace. I call these changes process and growth changes, including the failures that has been positive and negative. But what I'm the advice I want from you is how can I grasp my experience and write a TV documentary? Um, well, here's the thing with, with, um, what I would do is there is a wonderful place. I don't know if, uh, is, is there is a place online you can go with, there's a lot of writing workshops and stuff. And so one of the things I would do is get with somebody that is teaching (laughs) your, you know, kind of like docu-series that you want to write and scope Mm -hmm. out. And there's a place called Stage 32 for for you or any of your listeners. And they have prominent people doing classes for you to either script write, write your own docuseries, pitch, et cetera. And you get in front of people. Because as much as I can say you can write the best docuseries script or feature film script, but it still boils down to not what you know, who you know. Right. I <laughs> so do agree. You want to you wanna learn from people that are actually doing it. So okay. that, that would be my suggestion. Okay. My next question. And really watch, uh, really watch people, really watch people and what they say and really track what they do because there's particularly in Hollywood, not so much on the TV side and the radio side and the print side and the digital side, but in the movie making side, mm-hmm. many people, have a lot of hot air and they believe their own delusions. And I mean that in a very uh, kind way, (laughs) but there are people, they're not really conning you. They actually believe what they're saying to you. And so really watch and track what people say and do. I do agree. And, you know, as entrepreneur, I have learned and I have experienced a lot of obstacles. So I have this saying about me, and I know some people may not agree, but there's a difference for what my experience is from learning from professionals and non-professionals, because we all can have some titles. But to me, the measure of a great leader has much less to do with how you define your role. It is more about their actual impact on others qualities of a great leader who will have resilience, transparency, and emotional intelligence are the main factors that make a successful leader, I do believe. Hiring a professional coach or individuals who has this powerful gift is good for the human race, in my opinion. Being able to give clarity and to help others to understand their awakening is what the world needs. And I thank you for sharing your gift, Nina, because I read about you and I resonated with a lot that you are doing in some of your good, in in your good works uh, as well. So I'm totally honored to be uh, interviewing you and you on my radio show. I thank you so much. And well, thank you for having Yeah. And I have, um, following some of the same mentors that um, you are connected to. 
So tell me about your book, The Change Book, that you co-authored with Tony Robbins. Yeah, Tony Robbins, original coach, and there's another gentleman named uh, Jim Lutz who is still uh, very much in my life right now. Where uh, where he's launching a huge academy called Mind Motion Academy, and so that'll be it's, it, for those of you that know Mind Valley. It's similar to a, a Mind Valley platform where you know people are able to go on and really get tools for all parts of their life, not just business and life, every single aspect of it. So it's going to be really cool. But the change book deals with um, authors like your, yourself or um, people that are in the transformational space, really bringing their wisdom. And so um, when I met uh, uh, Jim Britt, his, his Tony's uh, original coach, he, he and Jim Lutz were, were putting together this whole change series community. And so they've written probably, gosh, I was in their first couple of books. Uh, I think they're up to, you know, change series book 10 or 12, <laughs> you know, something like wow. that. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, and it's from all walks of life. I mean, they, they're political leaders, they're, they're transformational leaders, they're people that are actually offering and you can, anything that has to do with change and how to navigate change. Because, you know, I think even now more than ever, I mean, aren't we all having to really pivot? And if you're not pivoting, it, it, you know, you start to become paralyzed by your own fear. And you said something really important about emotional intelligence. And I think it was already important pre-pandemic, but now mm-hmm. you have to have that quality as a leader in the workforce because they, they show, you know, a lot of research has gone into this. Your IQ is only going to get you so far. But right. after that, there's a like that curve that all of a sudden that stops. And your emotional intelligence then becomes the the kind of the catapult that's going to take you to real success. And so for people that have a strong emotional intelligence, that don't blame other people, that don't react to other people but respond, those are the type of people that will have a much greater impact because they know how to bring people and, and, and groups together and have that change process. Uh, go go smoother than it would as if you had an unstable or unpredictable boss or somebody that was reacting to everything or not available and not accountable or back in the old school do as I say not as I do model. <laughs> so true. <But> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, I mean, there's still a lot of people that like that that model, but it's it, you know you're working against yourself at this point, particularly for the new people that are coming up in the workplace. There's a, a fun little saying, you know, I'm sure you've worked with people in multi-generational because now we've got about five, maybe even moving to six generations in the workforce. So when you look at where I, as a baby boomer, was brought up, I was at the back back end of baby boomers. And when I was starting out, my bosses would say jump, and my motto was how high. Right. The millennial generation is, you say jump and they say why. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so they need to understand the why behind it before they're going to step into it. So when you right. think about it, where work has become more of an experience for people because you're spending so much time there, why not make it a wonderful experience? So the why model I think is important, but I think the integration of those two, 
So I think there has to be a level of can do, which is jump how high. And I think you also have to understand the why behind it, which gives there more of an alignment to what you're doing, not just doing it because somebody said so. Yeah, that is so true. I have visited your website and your message absolutely resonated with me. And you stated, never ask permission from someone (laughs) to go for it. (laughs) And I read that about (laughs) at least five times because I'm like, you know, that is something that I have to admit that I used to do. And I don't do that anymore. But tell us about that inspirational statement you made and why. Well, let me ask you a question because this is really a good one. Mm-hmm. Why do you not do anything? Because there's no reason for me to have to get approval from anyone, in my opinion. Exactly. So, so many of us are waiting on the sidelines of life. All of us do it. I do it from time to time as well. We make we give ourselves excuses of why we're not doing something. I'm not going to the gym because of this. I'm not doing the. Yeah. I'm not launching a, a book idea that I've had because of this. And usually, when we say those type of stories to ourselves, it's not the truth. There's usually an underlining fear or something inside of us, doubt. I'm not good enough. All those belief systems that come into play of why you're not doing something. So we then look to the outside world to say, give me permission to do this. Well, you may be waiting a long time. Right. Because the world isn't necessarily going to ever give you permission. So then what? Absolutely. You're going to just keep on thinking, right? Yeah. So if you want something, you got to go for it because nobody is going to say one. You might get a couple of people that go, oh, my gosh, you know, Pam, go for it. Yay. Right. And then next week you're going to get somebody going, are you nuts? Are you really going to do that? And so then which voice do you listen to? Again, it's the outside world. you got to tap into your natural gifts of who you are, what do you want to create, what do you want to do in this world, and go, you know what, I am moved to do this. When I look at the Maryland Project, when I first got involved, I sat there going, okay, I'm getting out of entertainment. I don't want to be in entertainment per se anymore. If it has a, a transformative quality, absolutely I'll do it. And so I started to understand more why I was involved in this. It deals with mental health and addiction, and it allows people to have hope and inspiration. So if I listen to just, you know, my own voice at the very beginning, oh, I don't want to do this because this is entertainment, okay? But then if I stayed in it long enough, something in me was saying, no, just stick with it, just stick with it. And now it has evolved to such a beautiful mission where I can actually use a legacy of somebody's life and help inspire others to get help. That's a beautiful quality. Whether one person listens to me or 50 million people listen to me, that's not my, that's none of my business. But am I moved? Do I have a soul calling to actually do this? It's taking the form of this Marilyn Monroe podcast. But, you know, next week when I'm in business or tomorrow when I'm talking to one of my, my coaching clients, it's going to be about transforming their life. And, and that's where I think you've got to stop looking for somebody else to give you permission or I'll, I'll do this when I, I've got all my, you know, I go to the writing classes and I do all this stuff. No, start working on it now and let your vision fill in the blanks. Don't wait for it to be perfect before you do it. Right. Very good advice. Very good advice. Like I said, 
I know I was one person that used to do that at the beginning, especially when you go through obstacles and challenges and then you, you you're looking for a, a cheerleader team. Come on. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and you're never going to get that. And so I had gotten to the point that I'm okay with who I am. This is me. I am the authentic Pamela. And so I don't ask for permission anymore. And then when I was on your website and when I read that, I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) That's so, you know, and I think that 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 advice for everybody is important. The flip side of it is, and this is something that I've had to learn over the years, is your calling is there, but don't be attached to the form. Be connected to the content. If we get so caught up in the frame, it's got to look a certain way, we kind of lose sight and the universe may pull back your dream or your project in order for you to get that lesson. It's kind of like if you want to get married because you want to get married, but you don't really care about the person you're getting married to. I think it's more important to pay attention to what it is you're doing and not get attached to the form. And I think that's a really big lesson. I know times that I've been so tenacious on something, it's got to happen this way. And it's like, well, no, maybe it's going to zigzag a little bit and be okay with that too, you know, but that takes a lot of trust and it takes a lot of falling down into boom and you know, the other thing I would say to you, Pamela, is that I think one of the things that I think is really important for people is to understand that the more you fail, the more you can have the ability to be successful. Because what failure does is it shows you that you're trying. It's not about whether or not you succeed that time. It's a matter of, you know, can you get up and start walking again? If you think about a baby who's learning how to walk, it doesn't sit there and judge itself after it falls down. It just gets up and starts walking again. You got to right. pay attention to that and not get so caught up as, oh my gosh, I failed. Can I tell you how many times I failed? <laughs> it's been fun because you know what? Uh, a director said this to me one time. It was a, uh, I was around the movie with Jamie Foxx called Solo. I don't know. It was, a, it was Soloist. That's what it was. And it was about actually overcoming a lot of obstacles. And the director said to, to, said to me, fail up, fail better. You know, it's like, don't, don't think about it so much as a failure. Uh, the Spanx uh, CEO, um, she, she was groomed to fail. And her dad would, with her brother, they'd sit around a, a, you know, a dinner table. And I think it was Sunday night that they would have dinner. And he would ask them that week, how much did you fail? And they would talk about it. Because in his mind, the more you failed, the more accessible you were to your success because you were out there taking risks, you were out there dreaming and becoming and, you know, and just think about that. We wouldn't have space without her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Without that yeah. quality. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have failed a lot. I can say. What was that? I said, I have failed a lot. I can say, <laughs> but I had a yeah, hard time so accepting it. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I think the, the, the more that you fail, the more you realize that you actually didn't die, nothing, you know, you can always start all over and reinvent yourself. And I think that's the key is giving people hope that it's not about the failure. It's about whether or not you can pick yourself back up and go, you know what? I did my best. And also assessing if there needs to be a change and a shift, be okay with that too. Again, not being so attached to the form. I'm going to do it no matter what, right? Well, is that really, you know, assessing? 
whether or not that's the pathway forward. Your mission may be there, but the way forward may change. And if you're not so much attached to the form, but the content, you'll be led if you're open to the right doors opening, the right people, et cetera. Yeah, such as now. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's the lesson. <laughs> it's the lesson. It's a, and, you know, it allows people to, you know, not be so judgmental. I mean, I, I think about some of the things, you know, this every week in Life Bites we have a, a theme, and this week's is about um, concentrating on your core. And we're not talking about your core in terms of your stomach and your third chakra. We're talking about your core in terms yeah. of your core elements, going back to the basics. And I think, you know, one of the things that I heard this morning and something I do called Mindful Mondays is people are having a hard time with a lot of either self-judgment or self-talk, negative self-talk, or even punitive, beating themselves up. And I think if we can kind of take that judgment away and say, you know what, even if you didn't do the best you could at that moment, at that moment, it was the best you could do at that time. It may not be your best moment ever, but take away a lot of the judgment and, and see if you can give yourself a little bit more compassion because sometimes how we treat ourselves is so much worse than if we were talking, if I was sitting here talking to you and just telling you about, oh, no, get up and start doing it again. Am I saying those same voice? Am I saying that to myself too? The key here is not just say it to somebody else. When I was 18 years old, I was saying it to somebody else. I had no clue what believing in yourself meant because I didn't even know myself at that point. But there was an inkling in me, a soul vibration that said, you know what? That's part of my work. I'm deeper than most people at 18 years old. But I didn't know what what the connection was because at that point, I just wanted to be in general entertainment. It had nothing to do with helping people. Well, you know, I think a lot of my lessons and especially I felt like I was a version um, going through these obstacles and challenges. And when my background is business management, so I was taught the corporate way. And so you made very little mistakes. And. Now I have became an entrepreneur and all these mistakes and obstacles were there. But what affected me the most was the judgment. And Mm. when I, my daughter was in a very bad relationship and I went through the court procedure with her and everything However, I had to take a stand because my focus was how can I help my daughter and I'm going to keep my family together. And now Mm -hmm. I had to save a child's life. And doing so, I, I, I was judged. I was shunned. I was ostracized. I was put in a financial hardship. But most importantly, I was misjudged and being misjudged when you go through the lessons and the obstacles, that is when you become the fear kicks in because you want to make sure that you get it right and you may not get it right. Then you're going to take these risks and then that may not come out right either. (laughs) So it was a lot for me to 
yeah, it was a lot for me to gather and to accept. But now I'm very flawless. So I am comfortable within and knowing I'm still learning lessons and I'm going to go through these obstacles and challenges, but they're not going to affect me where, you know, I give up or think I just can't do the job or what I'm passionate about. Yeah. And I think, I think you also make a a good point. I think that's a hard thing sometimes when the outside world, when you are standing in your truth and you do make a stand on something and it's not a popular stand, that is in, or if you're making a stand for truth and somebody's in a lie, they may not want to see that truth. And so you're shining a light in with somebody's situation, which they don't want to see themselves. And so I think it's it's easier for all of us to go with the flow and just, you know, look the other way or put something under the carpet when we know it's not right. You took a stand for whatever that stand was and, you know, people didn't like what you had to say. That's your truth. But we have to be more solid in ourselves in order for that to happen. I know for myself, uh, you know, I was, I was brought up the good little girl. So you did things within a, a realm of making everybody, making sure everybody was happy. But actually in speaking our truths, whatever our truths are, sometimes it's going to make people feel uncomfortable. You know, if you can have compassion in the way you do it, I think that's the key, but sometimes that's not available. Or even if it is, I had a conflict facilitation I was doing last week within a company and I could not believe we didn't even get started. And he just went from zero to 60. And I was like, wow, you know, this can't be really about this situation because that doesn't warrant this kind of behavior. But until and if somebody ever kind of got through to him, he he he's probably not going to be open to really shifting and he's going to blame the outside world. So in your situation, somebody had to blame you instead of looking at their own truth as well, you know? Yeah, that is so true. Nina, in addition, you have two films in pre-production, a feature film thriller called Good night, Marilyn. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about yeah. that. So Good Night Marilyn is where it all started with the, the feature film Marilyn Monroe and we connected it and I was just gonna do a feature film and connect the people and I ended up getting involved and what happened was is we went into escrow with our film and then um we didn't and that's why, you know, I say always say make sure that you know the people that you're getting involved with in terms of what they say and do and look at their track record because there's a lot of people that like to make a lot of promises. But what happened was is that when we fell out of escrow, I said, Oh, what do I'm gonna get do what I do best. I'm gonna get back on radio. So I did a radio show for several years and that's where the investigation of Marilyn Monroe came in. We have a twenty two panel expert, um, expert panel that is from forensics to law enforcement to, um, you know, pathologists, you know, very famous ones, Dr. Cyril Weck, Dr. Michael Baden, and some really wonderful Maryland experts all coming together to really look at the, the investigation into her death, which is, I have to say, is really fascinating. I went into it really thinking that, you know, Marilyn was murdered and thriller noir doesn't, it's not a biographical um, picture. It's a thriller noir about the ultimate whodunit. So I was like, well, who did actually kill her? Because in my, uh, my opinion at that time, she was murdered. I find in this case, 
the truth is actually more fascinating than the rumors out there. And most of your audience, unless you're a true Maryland fan, will think and believe all the rumors that are out there. Because here's the key. Uh, the bottom line is they sound really good. And what happens with, and this is interesting because it happens in the Maryland story, but it's happening out in the media everywhere. You mm-hmm. get a fact with a commentary of maybe even a probable theory, and then with a rumor, and the way that the commentary presents it as if it's all fact. And so what happens as the reader or the listener or the viewer watching something, we don't really understand what's true and what's not. And so stories and narrative are made up in order to be able to present a position on something. Well, it's not any different than the Maryland story. So very early on, people started to create fabricating stories. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you've got the best of all worlds. You've got politics, you've got power, you've got sex, you've got very famous people. You know, everybody's, you know, kind of uh, life is being threatened in, in that storyline. So it just fuels itself for these stories. And so, for example, when we did the investigation into Maryland's death, one of the fascinating things that I found was one of the, you know, you'll see it in the documentaries today. They'll talk about, um, oh, there was a, either a suppository given to her enema and that the housekeeper was washing Maryland sheets to, you know, remove any evidence of anything in the middle of the night before the cops came. Well, we came to find out Marilyn Monroe didn't even have a washer and dryer in her house. So there was no, quote, sheets being washed in the middle of the night. Uh-huh. Um, and so then you, you start to look at some of the evidence and you start to realize that, wait a minute, what I thought was true because it's a narrative that I've been now being told for 60 years, it's got to be the truth. I had a woman, she must have been in her late 70s. She came up to me at a Maryland event one time and she's like, this is when Goodnight Maryland Radio was, was uh, on the air. And she poked her, her little uh, you know, her, uh, finger in my chest and she said, I don't care what you say, that Kennedy's killed her. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> you know, you're going to believe what you want to believe. But what we're doing in the docuseries um, is really breaking down for people. What is a fact? What is a probable theory? And what is an outlandish rumor? So you, the viewer, who I believe are actually much more intelligent than we give people credit for, can figure out and come to your own conclusions versus me giving you a narrative that appears like it's the truth when in reality it's not. And there are books to this day that are out that our panel, our expert panel is going to be, um, we're going to be doing a, launching a new investigation series around the last books that have come out. And, you know, the, the author talks very much like I'm talking about right now. And yet when you read his book, he actually does. He blends fact, probable theory, and outlandish rumor, and he says it's a fact, and it's like, oh, my gosh, it just drives me crazy because it's like it's not a fact. It's a probable theory, and he doesn't say that. Wow. That is going to be. Yeah, so it's a fascinating story. It's a really fascinating. And then the dramatic podcast um, that we're doing right now, we have a new episode coming out tomorrow. It's called Soul Sisters. And anybody can go to BehindTheIcon.com, but that deals with all of her life. So it's a dramatic podcast, so it's acting. And we are, Soul Sisters is really around um, the relationship between Ella Fitzgerald and Marilyn Monroe that many people get butchered, including myself, in the very beginning. I didn't, you know, I, I heard stories out there, and I just repeated them as well. And so this really speaks <laughs> to their soul kinship, uh, very right. different 
looking women, but you know what, man, did they have a lot in common. And I think today, you know, with what you're talking about diversity inclusion, you talk about, um, you know, not just Black Lives Matter, but, you know, today civil rights has a lot of civil rights changed over the years. Yeah, it has. But the challenge has come is that there are still untruths that were not, were, you know, in the workplace. You know, one of the biggest things, you know, in diversity and inclusion is, Companies like to talk a big talk. Yeah, they like to talk yes. diversity inclusion. They don't necessarily like to walk their walk, and they walk don't it. actually Absolutely. get people in there that are really working and dealing with the truth of that. So they're they're meeting a quota, but they're not necessarily dealing with the real issues. Absolutely, and as mentioning that, we are celebrating Black History Month, but also on the first of March. For the next two months, I am also going to be advocating Zero Discrimination Day, which is celebrated globally, (laughs) celebrated globally so that everyone lives life with dignity, regardless of age, gender, skin color, height, weight and etc. The symbol of the Zero Discrimination Day is the butterfly, firstly. And the UN started that in 2014 on March the 1st. So I'm excited. Love it. Yeah, I am going to be advocating that as well. And Nina, I know we're pushing for time and we just chatted, chatted, chatted. But you have any last words you would like to say and how someone can contact you uh, regarding your services? Yeah, anybody can either look me up at lifebites.com or ninaboski.com. Those are the best websites to reach me at. And then in terms of media, the project that I'm I'm really launching tomorrow and is very, it's called Soul Sisters, and it's really about connection. And it's not just about racial connection, it's about connection in this world. And I think that it is so timely that an episode like this is coming out. Because right. back in 1962, we were dealing with civil rights. We're still dealing with that that issue today. But we also have a bigger issue, a world divided by our political, our, our, our sexuality, all these things that are yeah. coming into play right now that are causing me to judge you because of whatever choice choices you make or the color of your skin or your religion, whatever it is. And I would say that just remember we are spiritual beings having a human experience. And if I can seek to understand somebody, then that judgment can start to go away. And I think the world needs it. We need to bring back our heart. And that would be the biggest message. If we want to take anything from Marilyn Monroe and the life of Marilyn Monroe, at the center of who she was, she just wanted to be loved and to love. And I think really at the heart of all of us, that's all we want. And if we could remember that when we go out and we meet the post office man or woman or, you know, whomever that is in front of us, lead with your heart and lead with love. Yes. Great. That's a thank you so much. Nina, it has been a pleasure having you on my show. And as I stated, for the next couple of months, I am going to be celebrating International Women's Month globally celebrating girl empowerment. I am a award-winning author of the new book, A Journey of a Sapphire. The book is about a girl who had overcame adversity on her journey towards success. 
You can purchase the book at journeyofasapphire.com. Also on amazon.com, Journey of a Sapphire by Pamela Henderson and on Kindle. Well, readers, I have reached my destination and I leave you with this quote. Until next time, do have a fabulous day from a true sapphire, Pamela L. Henderson. I am an excitable person who only understands life lyrically, musically, in whom feelings are much stronger as reason. I am so thirsty for the marvelous that only the marvelous has power over me. Anything I cannot transform into something marvelous, I'll let it go. Reality doesn't impress me. I only believe in intoxication and ecstasy. And when ordinary life shackles me, I escape one way or another. No more walls. And that was by Anais Nin. Thank you so much and do have a beautiful day. Thank you for listening to All Roads 65 Max Radio with Pamela Henderson. Join us every other week on Tuesdays, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on BBS Radio Station One. And please visit allroads65max.org and become a volunteer or sponsor and be the change you want to see in this world. With your help, we can make a difference in our society and uplift those who so desperately need our help. Thank you for tuning in. 